Hey, thank you for listening to Fifty Shades of Boucher. Uh, on this episode, I sound like I'm kind of talking from a tin can. This happens when you're excited and you forget to turn your gain back on after turning it off. Uh, I was excited because this is my favorite band, guys. Um, you know, I, and, I, and I'm I'm not a music guy. I feel like I'm not really sure what I'm asking, so a little nervous to start the intro and. And luckily, Mike saves my ass by giving us great content and tells us really in-depth stories on the band and how they started and how they switched from Streamline to Startisan. And, you know, and he puts up, again, with my terrible music questions. At one point, I even tried to mimic one of the lyrics he makes, and, and I'm pretty sure he wanted to turn the interview off right then and there. But the guy was one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met, and he's offered to come back on when he re-releases his own music. So... I'm ecstatic. I, I think the interview went great. I Like I said, I feel bad <laughs> trying to ask some of the music questions I did. But, um, you know, the guy gave great content, and, and I feel bad. There was a lightning storm going on as well, and I don't know how to tell somebody, hey, man, I'm so afraid my the lightning is going to cut our connection. It might not keep the recording. And so I learned some things this episode. Uh, Mike, Thank you again for coming on, man. I can't, I can't appreciate it. Um, I always joke, the you know, the new friend of the show, um, but even the fact that he wanted to come back on, you can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, and 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 especially for somebody who I, you know, um, for somebody who I I think their music is is some of the best music I, I you know I've ever heard. So, uh, hey, what can I say? This is the fun of the podcast, guys. I mean, I, I know you guys don't know who they are, but for me, this was this was something that I, I can't believe got to happen. So with that being said, I'll let you guys listen to the interview. Mike did a great job, and luckily Mike's audio is clear, and, and I just kind of sound like the guy in the background. So with that being said, Mike Hogan from Startisan. right now so give me a bit to like uh (laughs) chill out a little bit yeah it's all good man right on uh so what have you been up to man i mean i know that's the most basic question but i promise i'll I'll leave it at that but uh what have you been up to uh i mean lately i mean are you you guys touring right now no the band actually uh we're sort of non-existent at this point we haven't played in i get we haven't played like a proper show in about three years okay um 
Oh wow! Yeah, so the yeah, so Sardis is, is kind of defunct at this point. Um, I've been uh, I'm back in school actually, um, oh. so I've been doing that for the last few years. And uh, what are you going back I'm for? On a, I'm pre med. Oh, there you go. To, to be a doctor. Yeah. Oh wow! So you went from did you start the band? Yes. Oh wow, yeah. man! So you start a band and then you're like, you know what? This isn't enough. I got I gotta go be a doctor now. <laughs> Well, you know, we got to a point we'd been, uh, you know, we'd been hitting it pretty hard for a while, and um, we came off a pretty hellacious tour, and we were just kind of burnt out. And we're like, well, you know, we'll take a little break, and then when we're all kind of ready to get back together and and work on something again, uh, we will, but we're not going to force it. Yeah. And uh, so weeks turned into months, and you know, months turned into a couple years, and everybody just kind of got happy doing other things, and you know, that we didn't feel that. Uh, that strong urge to come back and and uh, create again together. Uh, we did do a reunion show a couple of years ago, and that was actually a blast. And it was with Stardust and Streamline, okay, all the original members say. from from both bands. But that was really cool. Yeah, I think um, I saw the live of that. Right, I think there was a Facebook live, and like there, you know, I'm I'm reading the comments and trying to go through it. I, I did a little background at least, but uh, yeah. So, so how many guys um, followed from Streamline to Stardust, or was it completely so just, two different guys? No, there was uh, two of us. So John Scholl, the keyboardist, and I, uh, we grew up in, in Rochester, New York together. So we were in a band um, when he's uh, actually four years older than me. Okay. So we were in a band together. I was 13. He was a uh, junior in high school when we first met, and we started a band uh, at that point, and I was in eighth grade. Um, so we were in a band in high school, and then that kind of morphed into uh, Streamline, and then and then became Stardust once we moved here. I gotcha. And and you're out yeah. of uh, Louisiana, right? Yeah, Baton Rouge. Right on. Yeah, well, outside of Baton Rouge now, yeah, but Stardust was based in Baton Rouge. Okay, I got you. So how do you move from New York to, to Baton Rouge? Uh, well, we've made a lot of stops on the way. We actually were in Los Angeles for about three and a half years. We are living out there doing stream. That's where Streamline formed. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> I say that actually we, we formed in New York, Right. Um, but we moved to we moved to Los Angeles, and that's where things kind of picked up. Um, so there was three of us from New York living out in Los Angeles, and um, we hooked up with Brian Ireland uh, on drums. He was a drummer for a band called Something Corporate. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. No, um, I got you. I'll look into them. Yeah, they're cool. Um, so we, we met up with him out there, and we actually just happened to run into a guitar player from Louisiana, from Baton Rouge. And he, it was Brad, so he became the guitarist in Streamline. Okay. And so we were looking, to, we were looking to get out of LA. We were doing a lot of touring, and uh, we were making, you know, we had a, a lot of uh, areas in the Northeast that we had hit before we moved to LA that we kind of had built something up in. So every time we tour, we were making that 52-hour drive up to the Northeast, okay, kind of yeah. hit those markets. And so we were looking for some place to, to be a little more centrally located, some place we could hit both coasts a little more easily from. Some place with a you know lower cost of living than Los Angeles because it was killing us. Yeah. And um, just some place that maybe we could be a little bit of a, a bigger fish in a small pond. And so our guitar player, having grown up here, uh, naturally suggested Baton Rouge as a, a possible uh, alternative. So we came through here on tour a few times and we ended up really liking it. So yeah. Um, we kind of made hit the bullet and moved here. Yeah, made the decision. Right on, man. That's awesome. And yeah. so when you start out, I think I saw the the album, uh, the first one I found on on Streamline was uh, two thousand three, right? 
2003. Uh, it would have been later than that. Okay. Um, yeah, the first. Let's see. The first, the like the. the um, let's see, hold on. I can. Right, <laughs> I was gonna look, look it up too. Here, I, I feel bad putting you on the spot. Us, I want to say was. Well, hold on. Let me let me just see. Yep. No, you're good. I'm pulling them up here too. Try to help you out. I feel bad um, here. I was gonna ask you. How about this? So I saw that all I need went from a streamlined yes. band to Stardizen. And I love I love both, dude, I'll be honest. But Stardizen, I, I mean, how do you make the changes and, and, and feel that, you know, you want to change it up a little bit? Have you played it enough to where, you know, there's it, – it fits, obviously, Stardizen, Stardizen's version of All I Need really fits that record. It kind of – it just – it pops with it. And then hearing right. Streamlines, it, it's a little more, like, raw, but it still has everything that, like – Stardizen's had it just how do you make that change like it's awesome dude like it it's one of the first questions I had to geek out on was was how do you make that change with all I need <laughs> yeah um sorry a quick side noted it looks like so <laughs> Apple Music actually says 2004 for that first record but that's not accurate okay so, I don't know why I don't know where that date came from so it would have been I guess 05 when we recorded all I need uh, when Streamline did the first time. Okay. Um, so what happened with that song was we, um, without giving too much of a backstory, so we were in we were in Los Angeles. I had written, so we spent, <laughs> I guess i got to give you a little bit of a backstory. Yeah, no, you're good. So um, we, uh, we were in New York, upstate New York, and we wanted to get away for a summer, have no distractions, and just focus on writing and, um, you know, getting serious with the band. So we had a buddy uh, who had played guitar, in a, a band that John and I had before Streamline and he'd moved out to Seattle and he's like, why don't you guys come out here? I've got, uh, you know, a whole apartment that I'm not using. You guys can crash for free and, you know, just come out here and hang out for a few months and do some writing and no one will bother you. You'll, you know, basically be on your own. We love that idea. We wanted to be somewhere where we were kind of without a net, you know, we could yeah. just, it with no distractions. We didn't know anybody. We just wanted some place we kind of isolate and work, um, and so we spent, uh, I guess, about a month and a half in Seattle, and uh, all we did was just write. And it was it was me and John and uh, another John who was our bassist in okay. Streamline, John Vivani. So we spent a month and a half out there just writing, and I wrote all I need when we were there. And uh, I feel like uh, that's that's probably my favorite song out of all of our all of our tunes, just because it was. I feel like it was the first like actual real song that okay. I've written. You know, yeah. I've, I've written other songs, but that one really felt like um, the first one that... Uh, it hits. You know, I, I, it hits, man. It fucking hits. Yeah, yeah. no. It, it just felt like the, <laughs> the first real song. But, yeah. You know, whatever that means. I and, guess the first and this is for actual, Streamline. Streamline, you know, right? Big boy song that I've written. That was for Streamline, yeah. So, okay. um, and then we left... Seattle and we, the, the plan was to spend the next month and a half in Los Angeles and we had a, a buddy that was interning with um, Sony at that time oh hell yeah with one of the head head A&Rs at Sony and so our uh, you know he was like well you know I can get you guys a, a sit down with this guy and um, our only intention was just to just pick this guy's brain you yeah. know like we were we were three kids from upstate New York. We'd never been around anybody remotely in the music industry, you know? And so we, we really just wanted to ask this guy's, you know, some questions, just pick his brain and feel, be like, yeah. we're interested in a career in music. Just give us some pointers, you know, 
and uh, we wanted five minutes of this guy's time just to kind of point us in a, a somewhat right direction. And uh, what, what ended up, I, I don't know if it was a miscommunication or what, but the three of us walk in there, and I had an acoustic guitar in my hands, and, and uh, this dude is like Mr. L.A. businessman. I mean, the guy had literally four phones sitting in front of him. Oh, wow. And he, he had like you know two landlines and two cell phones. <laughs> and one one of them was like constantly he was like picking up this phone he's like oh yeah and he's picking up this phone Jeez. like dude was just like straight out of a movie and uh so we walk in and we're like all pretty intimidated and uh it's kind of like okay what do you guys got play me something and uh so oh, I was, oh, okay yeah. so I, I played him all i need i had just finished the song like two days before and never played it you know for anybody and so i, I sang and played the thing acoustic for him Meanwhile, his phones are ringing, so he's like picking up his phones, and the whole time I'm like, "Do I keep playing? Do I stop playing? Like, what's right. the etiquette here?" So I just kept going. I played the whole thing, and um, you know, I think he maybe heard about 30 percent of it. But um, at the end, he was like, "Okay, cool. I uh, like that song. Why don't you guys uh, lay it down, record it, come back here in a week, and uh, we'll talk." And that was the whole meet. So the three of us walked out of there and we're like, what the hell just happened? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, we just wanted to ask this dude some questions. And I think he thought it was like, you know, a showcase or something. We we're like a band that's like looking to get signed. And, you know, so we were like, oh, my God, what do we, now what do we do? Uh, what just happened that our so our John, the, the guy, the keyboardist that I've been playing with forever, he was an audio production major in college okay and the year before he'd done an internship out in los angeles at a studio called four street yeah it's uh it's actually on four street in santa monica and so he worked on something corporate's second record there uh, it's, it's a super cool studio by the way it's uh it's this little tiny place but man they've done some killer stuff there like parts of tragic kingdom no doubt tragic kingdom were done there okay. fiona apple did a lot of work there um incubus did their first two records there there you go uh it's just it's kind of this little hole in the wall like inconspicuous place but a lot of like really awesome stuff's been done there right on uh anyway so he had an in with this place uh he knew the owner and he had just interned there the year before so he was like well, why don't we walk down you know, we were just a few blocks away at Sony headquarters, and he's like, "Why don't we just walk down there and just see if they've got anything open? Yeah, at least that time. way we'll have a studio. We yeah. can do some tracking. You know, we've got that part of it solved." And the second problem was we still didn't have a drummer. We had a we had a guy that we'd been playing with, but he didn't want to come with us out to Seattle and LA. So it's just the three of us. So we're like, "Okay, I guess we'll try to figure that out later." But let's see if the studio is available. So we go to the studio, and. Um, you know, explain the situation to the owner, and she was, like, extremely gracious. She was like, yeah, you know, I've got two midnight sessions open. You guys can have them for free if you want them. Oh, hell Just yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, so it was like a Monday morning, and she was like, I've got Tuesday and Thursday from midnight to 8 a.m. of this week available if you want them. She's like, they're yours, you know, just if you guys end up doing a deal with Sony, just consider doing your record here and throwing us the business. Hell yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, uh so we were stoked about that, and coincidentally, as we're there, um, Brian, who was the drummer from Something Corporate, walks in to do a session with the guitarist from Something Corporate, who had just left to do his own solo project, and Brian was playing drums on that. And we're like, well, you know, this is a perfect opportunity, like, we might as well just ask this to you. I mean, we didn't know him, John had worked yeah. on the record, but he'd only met him a couple times. And uh, But we're like, what the hell, he's here, he's a drummer, like, we'll see if we can throw him, you know, some money and have him just play drums on this thing. And, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. So uh, amazingly, he agreed. He's like, yeah, you know, just, you know, I don't I think we gave him a couple hundred bucks or something. He was like, yeah, totally. I'm down. Like, play me the tune and 
and uh, we'll make something happen. Yeah, yeah. So it all just kind of like serendipitously fell into place. So we started tracking uh, two songs. We did All I Need, and we did this one that didn't even have a name or lyrics, but it was another one that I'd been working on in Seattle. And uh, and we ended up playing on it. So we did this thing in two midnight sessions, and we didn't even get to the vocals. I had to do the vocals in a bathroom at an apartment we were staying at. We just set up a mic in like the shower or something. Yeah, yeah. The vocals on there, and then we did a, like a super quick mix on it. Uh, and we like got it back over. It was one of those things where we got it done at like the eleventh hour. We like we picked it up, the final mix, on our way to our meeting with the A and R from Sony, but right. like a week later. Oh, so man. we had just finished this thing, and um, and that's actually that's the version that's on the that's on the Streamline record. But it sounds rough and raw because we did it in two you know two nights, and it was just like you know we were kind of working on it in in the studio. I just written a couple days before, and so it's not polished. Right. Um, right. That's awesome but, that you uh, put it on the on the record, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, instead of going back and retracking it, we were we were just like, well, we'll just throw that version on there, and uh, we'll add a couple tunes to it, and you know, put put something out there, because um, we thought it was good enough to just you know to pass for for the record. Right, hey, right. Man, and it's the song that got you. It. It's a song that yeah. got you. Uh, did you get signed from it? So, uh, no. But All here's right. what happened. <laughs> so we went back in there, and it, this is this is pretty funny. So you know, this dude I was telling you was on all his phones. So yeah. we go back in with the recording, and all of us are just like sitting there. We're like zombies, you know. Like we've been up for like days straight, and we're like, we just walk in and hand it to him, and we're like falling asleep in the chair. And so he he starts playing, and gets about you know 10, 15 seconds into it, and he kind of is like, okay, and he starts nodding his head, and then he starts playing air guitar, and he's like really get into it and then his phone rings about 40 seconds into it and he picks it up he goes i'll have to call you back and oh, just hell yeah up. that's and he cranks up his stereo i was like okay this is a good sign so the song ends and he's like that's a hit i want to work with you guys i want to sign you guys you know I, you know yeah we're gonna make something happen so we're stoked we're out. like oh my god uh we walk out of there on cloud nine we're like you know this is crazy I can't believe this just happened. You know, I'm freaking out. I'm like, now nah, this is like the first like kind of real song I've ever written. I'm like, now I got to figure out how to write, you know, 10 more of these the things. Rest of them. Yeah, or yeah. A, a hundred more of them, but, you know, more immediately for the, for this album. I'm like, I, you know, your mind's going a mile a minute. Right. But at the same time, so I was uh, enrolled to go back to my, it was going to be my junior year of college. Cause we were just, this was summertime, you know, we'd spent the whole summer in Seattle and LA. So I was supposed to go back for fall of my junior year. And so, you know, I, was, I, I told him the situation. I was like, I'm, I'm still in school and all this stuff. He's like, well, listen, go back to school. It's going to take a couple months for us to get all this, you know, all the details ironed out. He's like, just go back like business as usual and we'll figure this out as we go. So uh, so that was the plan. We, we started heading back. Before we leave L.A., we throw uh, all I need up on. We had a MySpace page. MySpace Hell was like yeah. brand. There was, you know, Facebook existed, but nobody had it. You know, yeah, it was one like yeah. of those things that was like, <clears throat> you know, I think it was uh, – only certain colleges had it. Right. It was still. It was in the early stages. Yeah, but uh, but MySpace was was just starting to take off. So we threw it on there, and we drove back to, to New York, and I <clears throat> went back to school. But in the first six days, that um, all I need was on MySpace. It was the number one song on MySpace for like six days in a row. Holy shit! I think it did something like I can't remember how it was doing something like. 40,000 plays a day, which back, I mean, now it doesn't sound like anything, but back then it was a big deal. Yeah. And somewhere I have a screenshot of it. It was 
All I Need was the, the top song, and right below it was uh, Sugar We're Going Down. Oh, you Boy. beat Fall Out Boy. <laughs> so we, we had, our, our All I Need was, was beating Fall Out Boy, Sugar We're Going Down, for the first six days it was up, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's you know, awesome. Like I said, now those numbers would have been, you know, people get millions of plays in a day now, but back then it was you know, 30,000 yeah. plays in a day was enough to, to make you the, the number one song on there. So that got some attention from people in New York. So we get home, and I got uh, a call from a woman who was who had managed Gavin DeGraw. That was okay. her her big artist. She found him in some bar in uh, in New York City when he was like 18, 17, 18 years old, and she worked with him for years. Yeah. And got him. You know, he he was just really starting to take off when when this was happening. One Tree Hill she has to be going on. He's the theme song of One Tree Hill. Right. Hell yeah, he is. Yeah, so, and that was, I think that show, the first season of that show was like the year before. So he was okay. really starting to, yeah. this was like, he was really starting his uphill climb. So she called and she's like, really interested in what I'm hearing, what I'm, you know. Anyway, long story short, so we end up, I end up dropping out of school and moving to Manhattan because she's like, you know, we told her the situation with Sony and she's like, I know that guy, you know, we're, we're colleagues, we've worked together before. And uh, I'll work this whole deal out for you guys, you know. So then, you know, like that, we had uh, a manager and we had a major record label that we're negotiating with. So I dropped out of school, moved to New York. Um, But uh, the the thing with Sony fell through because this (laughs) A&R, and he was great. He's awesome. Um, I kept in contact with him actually for years uh, here and there. But um, he got a call from Justin Timberlake who was starting his own independent label and he called this dude and was like hey I want you to be the president of my label oh yeah <laughs> so I get a call from him and he was like hey man Timberlake just called and asked me to you know basically uh, be the be the dude in charge of his label so I'm gonna leave Sony he's like but I'm gonna pass you guys off to another A&R and uh, you know he's like I'd bring you with me if I could but his label isn't your kind of music and right. uh, you know, so once he once he kind of passed this off to someone else, that was sort of the the end of our <laughs> deal at Sony. Right. Um, but honestly, I mean, it was a bummer when it happened, but we weren't ready. You know, like I, Where, I, I that, like I said, all, all I need was was we had that one song, and I felt like that that was my first step into you know the songwriting world. Like you can do it. Uh, it I I could do it, but I I I wasn't ready to right. do it. You know, consistently and knock them out. Produce when like when like as like hey we got to get going like you know like you were just right. really getting into it. I gotta ask yeah. two two things about it. One, were you were when you go to school were you like hey we're dealing with Sony like are you are you kind of bragging it up or are you are you keeping it pretty in and because you're like hey I want this to go first before I even say anything. No, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't say anything to. Um, I didn't blow it up because I didn't want to jinx it, really. Right, right. Um, but of course, I mean, of course, I told my friends what was happening, and you know, it was a pretty small school. I think there was like thirty five hundred kids or something. So word got out. You know? Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what. I, and and then the, the school newspaper, I think, did a. I think they did a story about it, if I remember correctly. And so I mean, it got out there, but. Okay. You know, then, it was sort of, uh, in a sense, it was much ado about nothing because it, you know, it didn't amount to a deal anyway. Right. But like I said, it was it was definitely a blessing in disguise because we, I wasn't ready for sure. I mean, the other guys were probably ready, but. But it gets you in the mindset, like all of a sudden it puts it out there that one, it's obtainable because it, you know, it, you fell into it and it's like, all right, like at least you've made your mark, like you've you've done something yeah. to put yourself into that in that moment. Um, 
the, before I let, I, I gotta ask you before you get too far into your story, because I, 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 now it, it's, <laughs> dude, you're in the bathroom, and you come out of the chorus, and into the second verse, you hit, you hit a gnarly, and I spent, I can't do it, dude, like, but do you know what I'm talking about? Like you're, it's an I spend, but you really like kind of like snarl it a little bit. Like mm-hmm. how do you think of doing that just in the bathroom as you're like making the lyrics trying to match this song in the eleventh hour? Now, like now that I know that part of it, I'm geeking out more because it's like that's one of my favorite parts of any of any of your guys' song. It's just that little like, and I spent like, how do you how do you figure that out? How does that come about? The melody or, or how, uh, uh, guessing, how does it? Just that one lyric, dude. I'll even play it. Like I, I gotta. It's it's as you're coming out of the chorus. Um, it's like a snarly kind of like you know you could. I think in in uh, in Streamlines version you don't have it, and then when you go to Stardust and it's kind of like a. Um, it it ramps up right after the chorus, and then as you start your second verse, it's uh and you know and I spent twenty years. Uh, I can't sing for shit, so I, yeah, I really so, don't want to do that yeah. to you. Um, I was listening to C.S. Levine. That's another one I gotta ask you about, but uh. Go on with your story. Oh, yeah. if, if I find it and I can interrupt you at some point, I will. But I, I won't. Oh no! Yeah, to... I mean that's that was pretty much it. So you know, I le- I, I left school and uh, we the three of us moved down to Manhattan, and um, you know we had session guitar players and session drummers for uh, about we were we were in Manhattan for about eight months, and so we were doing some doing some shows, and I was doing my best to write. But like I said, man, I mean like that first song, it was proof that I had it in me to do something you know, on a, on a somewhat professional level, but I had no idea what the hell I did. You know what I mean? It was one of those things where it was like a fluke. I felt like, and you know, I felt like it it was, I was in a dark place when we, when we, so the deal fell through, first of all, which on the one sense was a bummer, but I'm, you know, I was really kind of relieved. Right. Cause now I was like, okay, pressure's off a little bit. Pressure's off a little bit, but the pressure's on because now I need to I need to write every, every song has to be to that caliber or better. Right. So I need to really like learn the art of songwriting, and it is a craft. I mean, you know, it's it's something that you have to, you know, at least I did. You have to learn it. Some people are naturals, but I had to learn it. You know, I had to say like, okay, I had to study songs that I love, and okay, what what are they doing? What is what is it about this song that makes it effective to me? Right. And uh, so I spent a, a lot of time listening to things and working on it. Um, but at the same time, I've got you know. Th- at that point, there was two other guys, and I'm like, their lives are in my hands. You know, they all we all moved in Manhattan together, and they need me to you know, to write these songs so that yeah. they can have have a career. So they, I, you know, they can eat <laughs> basically. You know, and then we've got this management. And I'm like, all these people are counting on me to, you know, to to make this happen. And you know, I kind of had a little freak out moment for a while when we were living in New York. Right. And how old um, are you at this point? You said you're a junior, so what, 20, 21, 22 years old? I was 21, yeah, when I dropped out, and I, I, so I turned 21 in Manhattan. Oh, man. Um, at least you can drink by then. Take, take the edge <laughs> yeah. off a little bit. But um, it was rough, man. And honestly, so we, we were not happy there. Yeah. Uh, so we made the decision uh, May of that year. So we, I dropped out in October, we moved down there in October. And we stayed there until about May, and we we're like, "Look, we're just we're miserable here. It's not working. Uh, let's move back to LA permanently, you know, and really try to get things going there." That's where we'd had, you know, it seemed like we'd had more success out there in the you know month and a half we were there than the eight months we'd spent, you know, in New York City. So yeah, we're like, yeah. Yeah, "Let's just go. Let's go back out there, and you know, maybe we can make the magic happen again." Because 
I wasn't inspired in New York. You know, it's cold and it's dreary. And it's yeah. Like, you know, meanwhile, all my friends that are in school are like having a great time, and like, so I was sort of having that like, you know, buyer's remorse of <laughs> dropping know, like, out and thinking that yeah, you got yeah, I get you right on. You know, I was like, did I make a mistake? Like, did I pull the trigger too soon? Like, you know what I mean? Was this? But yeah. So we ended up moving back. We moved back to LA, and uh, and things went a lot better for us out there. Okay, so, right on. Right on. I, I have it synced up. Is it too nerdy if I ask? I feel like I'm doing a Chris Farley on you right now. Go for it. All right. No, I'll, man, go for it. I'll see if I can get it here. Something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make that? Like when you're in the bat, you know, obviously that's the Stardust version, but. When you, at some point, make that lyric, like, and you decide, like, instead of just making it a, a simple, you know, singing, you kind of, you throw your own spin on it. How does that come up? I don't know where that came from. It just okay, comes right. out in the Dude, moment. You that's know? awesome. Because you, you spend, see, when I'm writing, so it always starts with a melody. So I come up with a, you know, I'll have some chords and I'll start singing nonsense over it. Okay. And usually what I'll do is record, you know, now I record a voice memo of me just singing gibberish on you know over the chord progression okay yeah and so i'll go back and listen to that and pick out little pieces of the melody that i like and i'll start putting together a melody that i think works well and the whole time i'm sitting there and i'm 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 kind of like what am I, what does this music make me think about or feel mm. you know and then i'll start getting ideas of well what could this what could this song be about and then once i get a concept and then I'm just off and running. I can yeah. sit down and, and cr- crank out the lyrics. Um, so then, you know, then you've got the full picture. So you know what it's about. You know what you're trying to convey. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, when you get in the studio to lay it down, you just close your eyes and think about that, and it just comes out. You know. Right, so, right. And when you introduce other people, like, do they just pick up on and and like, you know, when you add a, a bass and 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 like that? Uh, I, I I don't I do I'm. I don't know anything about music, so I just know what I like. So, like, I, I feel yeah. like you know how how many different uh, instruments are are in a are in a song or like or in a standard um, for for you guys. Like, who did who? Uh, how many instruments did you have going on? So we were a five piece. So we had two guitars, bass drums, and keyboards. Okay. Um, and then like some songs we have strings on. We had banjo on Hurricane. Um, what else we had? We got all kinds of all ocean kinds waves of and uh, uh, and uh, is it dreams of youth? Dreams of youth. That we the, have the ending. The ending where it starts with the ocean waves and then you you know you're gonna be all right, dude. Like like that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So and actually a lot of those sounds were um, I used a loop station that I have and just recorded a lot of that's guitar and I used this thing called an Ebo, which uh, is you know it's it makes your electric guitar sound like a like a violin or a cello or something. It, it okay. kind of sounds like it's a, a bow instrument. So a lot of that stuff at the end of Dreams of Youth was done with Ebo and a looper. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Hell, yeah. How do you, uh, when, when, when I've noticed, okay, the only other CD I've ever had or like listened to a full album with was uh, Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. And at the end mm-hmm. of their song, the last song on it, like I'm, I'm 13 years old and I let this thing play and I'm thinking the, the song's over or whatever. And all of a sudden, it's some creepy shit. I don't know what the hell is on the end of it, but I thought I was possessed or something's <laughs> going to happen to me. Um, yeah. 
and this is the only other time where I'm pretty sure the song was out and all of a sudden you start hearing, you know, like the wind come back and, and, the, and it's like something like you're in an ocean and all of a sudden you can feel that, that beat kick back up and it, you know, the drums kind of subtly get in and, and how do you decide that like, was that something that you do in a, in a concert or was that just kind of like a, hey, listen to the end of the song and maybe there's something at the end for the album, you know, or, or how does that go? It kind of came about naturally in the studio when uh, we work all these songs up well, for that record. We worked them up in the studio, and um, I can't, with that song, I don't remember exactly. I think what it was was I had some more melody and lyrics that I didn't fit into the the song like that. So the the you'll be all right thing that comes yeah. in. That was one of the ideas I was playing with when I was, you know, when I was making my voice memo, playing around before I had a song, you know, okay. just messing around. And I really liked the sound because I usually do those on an acoustic yeah. when I'm writing. And so I really liked the the slower, kind of like sadder acoustic version of fucking that. right, man. White people like, music. Man, how do, yeah. How do I get that into the? You know, the song turned into sort of a, a more, you know, electric rocking song. Like a white bummer was, music, yeah. What's that? <laughs> I, I refer it to like white bummer music. Like you always just see kind of like like there's dudes that just want to chill out and like, I, you know, it's hard to find people like that. But yeah, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said it. Yeah. Go on. No, no, you're fine. Um, so yeah, I think that was maybe the beginning of it. And then I'd had, I can't remember actually, if I'd had that loop or if I made it. Um, it was just one of those things. It was probably three in the morning in the studio, and I was like, "Oh, I've got this cool thing. Let's try throwing this in there and yeah. see." You know, it's just playing around when you're, you know, when in the moment. To make, I guess. Yeah, when you're trying to make it happen, um, I got you. And it kind of harkens back to like a like. So John and I are like very influenced by '90s music. We grew up with that stuff, and a lot of a lot of albums had that kind of stuff. Where you know, like you're saying, you know, they think the song's over and then there's more and. Um, times where it's like it's not just a three-minute pop song where it's like you know the song kind of can go places and you know smashing pumpkins did a lot of that kind of stuff where yeah. the songs kind of meander and they take their time and uh you know same with like dave matthews i'm a big fan of him and you know, he gonna... doesn't no one's ever looking at a clock when they're in the studio and being like the song you know it's getting a little long and they're like we're just going to play and every note you know that we want on there is going to go on there. I don't care if it's seven minutes long. Yeah. Tool also, I love Tool, and okay. they're another band. Thank they you. don't give a shit. I do. I didn't want to be the guy to be like, okay, do you think that like you're like a soft Tool because the way that your beats hit, like it's never the same and it's nothing simplistic. Like, yeah. um, I okay. Does this make any sense? Because I don't know any. Again, I don't know shit. How, how many of your songs run off of like a four beat system? Or, does, or is there anything like with a four rhythmic beat? Because I feel like a lot of the time when I'm doing something, I use all four fingers to try to match like the beat of the song. Is that? Is yeah, a lot of uh, we we have a, um, there's a good, I mean a good probably most of them are in four. We have a, a, several songs that are in three three four time also. Um, so that was cool. okay. Fucking right. At least I, okay. At yeah. least I know rhythm somewhat. I can't dance for shit, but I can follow along with my fingers. <laughs> Yeah, if you can snap along, that's all you need. <laughs> right, dude. Fuck. But man. uh, but yeah, we don't we don't get anywhere as complex as Tool rhythmically. Those guys are monsters when it comes to that. Right. But uh, but I love how, you know, the song takes you on a journey with those guys. You know, they don't care if it's ten minutes long or if it's four minutes long, but you know, they're gonna take you on that ride. Right, right, um, and, and and like the so one. I think that, 
the one thing is they, they starve you for like actually hitting that beat when they should and like they, they really mm -hmm. are good at hitting a miss beat and still having you be like I can't turn it off you know yeah they're amazing I love that band <laughs> oh fuck uh, have you ever been when's the last time you saw them and did, have you seen them in concert two? yeah I've seen them two or three times the last time uh, I guess it's probably been three or four years ago now I saw them in New Orleans and I saw them in um, Nashville okay uh, but it's been like three or four years now. It's been a while. Hell yeah. I, I make the joke on here that the last concert I, w I went to was an Aaron Carter concert at the Grandstands at the Minnesota State Fair when I was like seven yeah. years old. That yeah. and uh, uh, Backstreet Boys Black and Blue concert. I grew up with all sisters. And so okay. I, I have yeah. yet to go to a concert in my adult since then. And so like it's been like, where should I go? And I've been asking people, you know, what's your what's your opinion? What do you think, man? I mean, do you think I should go to like a local show here in Minneapolis, or or try to you know wait wait until there's like I mean, I, I dude, I'll wait and if you if you say that in like ten years, Stardust might pop up again. I'll wait. I've already waited this long and <laughs> and I've already forgot about Aaron Carter. But I mean, who would you recommend that I go see that that's touring or somebody that you like? Well, nobody's touring right now because of COVID. <laughs> Very true. I'm hoping that I can at least before you know soon here. Yeah, uh, the last show I saw was 1975. Um, I love that band, and okay. it was it was an awesome, awesome show. But I mean, you know, it's just live music. You can, I don't think you can go wrong. You know what I mean? Even if you see a bad show, it's still it's still an entertaining experience. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's I've never been let down, especially seeing you know a, a professional like a touring band. I always enjoy the experience, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say I know like First Ave, like I could probably go to First Avenue on, on a random night and probably just throw my shot that way. Have you guys been right. born in Minneapolis before or Saint Paul or anywhere? Anywhere in Minnesota? Well I, I can't remember, honestly. Wow. Streamline came through there. Did we play in Minneapolis? I can't remember. I gotcha. If we did it was one time. Okay, okay, I got you. Uh, just never really hit up here? Yeah, I'm trying to think. People are still listening to Prince, though, man. So you're good. Like I can't really? blame you. I, I think we did play. I think we did play up there. I'll have to go back and and check. You know, John would be better at remembering that. Than, I got you. Was John your guitarist? What's that? Was John your guitarist? John was keyboards. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So John, John's the guy that I've been playing music with for over 20 years. We've gotcha. And do you still play together. with him? <laughs> What's that? Do you still play with him? Um, not in a band. Okay. But, I mean, we he, he's going to be the best man at my wedding in, in November, and oh. I mean, we're still super close and everything. Yeah. Congrats, so. man. That's awesome. Thanks, dude. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right. So, okay. So, uh, I got all, all the questions I had about all I need, and uh, you said you make the album. You finally, you know, you got a you moved back to LA, and you had some success. Mm -hmm. Um, so where do you take it from that it's going to be? You know, hey guys, we're you know streamline. We tried something, you know. How how does it how does it transform to start as in then? So we've been in Baton Rouge for a couple of years, and we same kind of deal. We've been touring quite a bit, and we did our second EP here as as Streamline, and uh, I think it just got you know people were getting burnt out. Actually, so the 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 first. Yeah, so the impetus for the, the demise of the band was our bassist, John, who was from New York. He was with us from the beginning. Um, he got an offer 
to go on tour with another band um, and do some session work in the studio with him. Okay. And he's like, look, man, the money's good. And uh, he's like, I got to take this opportunity. Because we weren't, you know, we, like I said, we'd gotten off the road and we were kind of in a lull. And uh, so he was like, I think I'm going to go take this opportunity and I'm not sure when I'll be back. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And it's a good, a good opportunity for me. So I got to, I got to jump on it. Yeah. And so when that happened, I think the four of us kind of took a moment to, to really think about, okay, what are we going to do now? Cause he was one of the, you know, founding guys. And, uh, so our drummer at that point was sort of, I think took the opportunity to be like, you know what? I think I want to head back. He, he's California native, you know? And I think he was sort of like, you know, I kind of been thinking about moving back too. And, you know, we gave this, a gave this a good shot and, you know, maybe this is as far as this train's gonna gonna go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, so I think everybody just kind of was sort of feeling the same with that with that group. Right, know, just need to take a breath. Sort of, take a breath and kind of know, reevaluate what's going on. Yeah, I gotcha. But uh, you know, and that one kind of fell apart, and then John and I picked up the pieces from that and kind of started Stardizen, um over the next couple months. So. Okay, right on. So when you're yeah. when you're forming Stardust and having having you know created one band already and, and now kind of taking pieces of, of of what you started and moving it and kind of I you know I don't want to say the music changed completely but there's like you know there's definitely a difference from hearing uh, you know streamlined to to Stardizen. Um What made you kind of uh, what? Uh, Dude, you're, the lyrics are one of, like, some some songs I can sing to, and then there's other ones where you're using words, and I mean, I love that. I, do you sing with a thesaurus in front of you? Like, <laughs> I, I just got to ask. No, no, I was uh, just really always into English okay. <laughs> when and I was in school. And, you there know, you so. go. So it, it helped you just being very vocal. I mean, was there anything that you can attribute to that? I mean, anything specific? Because, dude, you're using, like, a zephyr of air I had to look or a zephyr of air or something like that I just like what the hell's a zephyr and it's like fresh <laughs> yeah, air man um, no I, I mean I, I watched a ton of movies when I was a kid so I mean you just pick up on every yeah. time I heard something and I was like ooh what's that you know what I mean I'd always look it up I read a lot too when I was a kid okay shout out to reading you know I, uh, yeah read <laughs> yeah no joke Um, yeah I guess I mean I guess that's how it was I guess I just picked it up you know, from being, okay. from, the, from reading and watching movies and being curious. And every time I heard a word I, I didn't know, uh, I'd look it up and I would just remember it, I guess. And Dude, you're very vocal. I mean, it's, it's, your vocabulary in songs is one of the things that got me because it, it is not simplistic. Like, it, it, <laughs> it, it blows my mind that more people haven't heard of you because I can't stand, I, I fall into a pop song every now and again, I'm not going to lie. But, mm-hmm. you know, I hear something like, like Stardizen, and, and, and I can go into this question. So, you know, I found you guys in a movie called uh, Never Back Down 2. Mm-hmm. How are yeah. you approached to, like, get into some of these movies? And at that point when you're like, people, people know us enough to put us on a pretty, I mean, Never Back Down was a pretty big film. Number two, I mean, didn't hit as much. But, I mean, mm-hmm. how does somebody reach out to you, and, and, like, how does that process work? I mean, is it the same as me throwing out an Instagram and, you know? Uh, no, so that one was a little bit of a unique situation. So, like I said, we're, we're in Baton Rouge, and for a couple years, um, in order to boost Louisiana's economy, 
they passed some bill where they were offering huge tax breaks for uh, movies to be filmed here. So okay. like production crews to come here and film movies here. I guess they wanted to be a smaller version of Atlanta. Okay. So for a couple of years, it was uh, it was really advantageous for for films for film crews to come do their work here because they were offering huge you know tax incentives. Um, so you know, during that time, like Pitch Perfect was was filmed here. Okay. Um, okay. I think they did part of it, part of one of the Avengers here. That but they had some they had a, quite a few films coming through here, um, and Never Back Down Two was one of them that they they filmed here. And so that movie um, came about because Michael Jai White, who was the, he starred in the movie. He was like the trainer. Yeah, he was know? the instructor. Yeah, yeah. He was like, the, like the, the Mr. Miyagi of, yes! the, of that film. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he actually, I, I, he's a big MMA guy, and I think he probably was just a fan of the first one. I don't know if he had anything to do with the first one, but no. anyway, he he wrote and directed the second one. Okay. And he, he filmed it here because of the, you know, the tax incentives. I think, you know, he was, he, he secured funding. I don't think they did that. There wasn't like a major studio attached to that or anything. I think he secured all that money on his own. Okay. Um, so they, they filmed it here to, to take advantage of the tax breaks. And he wanted a particular scene for the, or for a particular song for the training montage. Yes. Scene. Yes. And whatever it was, I don't, I can't remember what song it was that they wanted. Just, it's just. But they're. Well, right no, but but they a different song. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Okay, he, wanted, gotcha. he had some song in, in mind, and it was too much. Like the the band was like, "Yeah, we'll we'll give you the rights for you know I don't know what they wanted for it, but okay. he was like, "No, it's too much money. We don't have it in the budget." And so he was working. There's a there was a studio here that he was doing. He was editing the film at, and I think he just happened to ask one of the guys there. He's like, "Are there any local bands that you know of? You know that that have a." A feel kind of. I guess he explained the song that he was that he wanted. And he's like, I'm looking for a song like this. Can you recommend any local bands? He's like, it'd be kind of cool since we filmed this movie here to yeah. to maybe you know get get a local band on the soundtrack. And the the guy that was working there, I guess, gave him our CD. It was like, yeah, these guys are from here. And he's like, they might have something that Fucking that fits right. what you're looking for. And uh, I think he gave him because at that point we might not even had. I can't remember if Decade Array Volume One was out yet, okay. but Just was like brand new. Yeah, I think it was out actually. I think we'd finished that album, so he might have given him that album. Right but right. uh, um, gives him the album. But it was, yeah, he gave him the album. But uh, I'm trying to think, it hadn't been out long because that's because Just broke with in that movie pretty early into things. You know, that was I think that was Stardust's first sort of like push. I think we just. Right. I don't know if the album. Now, now you got me thinking. I don't know if the album was out yet or not. No, you're good. You're but, good. But um. But obviously, obviously, people heard it. Did people start like reaching out to you and like finding who you guys out like who, finding out who you guys were from that from that movie? Oh yeah, yeah. That's still probably the one of the the biggest ways that people find us is through that film, and it blew our minds because we were on tour when it came out. Okay. Um, we didn't know anything about it. I'd never heard of that. The first one, and we just got contacted, uh, and they were like, "Hey, you know." they're filming this movie here it's like an it's the mma kind of like mma karate kid sort of movies i think that's how they describe it to us pretty much um and i was sort of like whatever you know sure <laughs> they right. want to use the song that's cool were you, were you uh, thinking think like how did one of our songs like were you thinking of like your song in karate kid at that point and like trying to figure out how it would work um, no, but the I think we joked about how you know the beginning of just has the whoa oh, oh's yeah and i was like yeah it kind of sounds like the beginning of 
everybody was kung fu fighting, you know. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I was there like, maybe they want to use it as <laughs> like the something similar to that. But I think we joked about that. But no, otherwise we were just sort of like, someone wants to put our song in a movie. It sounds it sounds good to us. I think he, I think they threw us like five hundred bucks or something for it too, and we're like, yep, sounds good. That works. Thinking like you, you know, yeah. you'll probably never hear this thing, and all of a sudden Netflix buys it out, and it's just one of those movies right. that college kids love. Yeah, we had no idea. Like I said, I never heard of the first one. We didn't yeah. know anything about it, and I don't know. I, I mean, I th- I'm sure they told us the name of it, um, but it was just sort of like, yeah, so they can use it, you know. It was, yeah. We right didn't on. really have a discussion about it much. We were just sort of like, yeah, sure. Right. It's and um, get it, get it out there. Get your content as many as many places as you can. I get you. Right. Yeah. And so we were actually on tour when the, the movie came out, and I remember we pulled over at some red box at a, like a gas station. And we got out of Redbox and we watched it, you know, when we were on tour in the van, in the van we had like a, you know, TV and a DVD player set yeah. up in there and we watched the, we watched it on the road. It was pretty, pretty cool. Hell yeah, man. Uh, so what was your guys' demographic then when you guys were touring? I mean, was it a bunch of college kids based on finding your song through that way? Or, I mean, how do you guys build up and at what yeah. point, what was your highest moment of, of popularity? Um... Yeah, so to answer your first question, yeah, our demographic was typically, you know, 18 to 30-year-olds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of people did hear about us. Well, we had a lot. So there was a lot of people that had come over from the Streamline days. Yep. You know, because we did a lot of touring with Streamline. Right. And so you're initially it was, you know, because Brian, our drummer, was in something corporate. So we had a lot of people that heard about us through that because they were, they were a pretty big band. Yeah. Um, so that was sort of the first wave of people being introduced to us. Uh, so, we, you know, in the transition from Streamline to Starters, and we we were able to hold on to a bunch of those bunch of those fans. Um, but then, yeah, a lot of a lot of it was still from from that film people, uh, people that were coming out because they they'd heard us and and never back down. Um, and then towards the end, Spotify and Pandora and things like that were starting to take off. So people were hearing about us through. I don't. I don't really know how the how those sites work. I don't. Um, I don't use either of them. But I, I yeah. guess there's like an artist spotlight or something, or somehow somehow our songs were showing up in their right in well, their playlists. A lot of them play um, like like music, you know. So is there a band that you guys get associated with that uh, that uh, you know that uh, is main like not mainstream, but is there? I mean, fa- I guess Fallout Boy. I mean, I gotta say like <laughs> well, I, man, maybe for the for that. In the earliest days, right, but, right, um, yeah, not, not, not recently, man. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. We, you know, and we always had a hard time. Um, you know, when people would ask us, you know, who we sounded like or like what bands we'd want to tour with, we always had a, a really hard time with that. Um, well, because you guys philosophy- are you guys are very much your What's own. That? Yeah, and my philosophy about writing is is really different. Um, so, like I said, I'm a huge film fan, so I always viewed every individual song that I ever wrote as its own sort of film. And uh, so, like, I, I always use the example, like, think about Spielberg, right? You know a Spielberg movie when you see one. Yeah. He has qualities to his films. But E.T. is nothing like, you know, Close Encounters. Well, I guess I, well, that's a bad example. It's like Close Encounters. But, you know, you look at E.T. to Jurassic Park to yeah. Munich to Schindler's List. You know, I mean, like, he has such wide diversity you know, I mean, Schindler's List is, is nothing like E.T. It's nothing, nothing like, yeah. you know, Indiana Jones is nothing like, but it's, they're all Spielberg movies. You know what I mean? So it, it's, he has his own touch that he puts on, his own right. little quality right. in each film. And it's, it's undeniably a Spielberg film, but 
they're all their own little entities. Right. And, and, and your so songs always, are Mike Hogan songs. Yeah. So I always, I'm like, look, I'm writing it. I'm singing it. It's going to sound like me. But at the same time, Lullaby doesn't really sound anything like Redemption, which doesn't really sound, you know, a whole lot like Hurricane. You know what right. I mean? It's sort of like, and so it was, it, it was always a double-edged sword for us. It always worked in our favor in some ways and it really hurt us in others. Like when we were shopping to labels, they would say, we don't know what the hell to do with you guys. We don't know how to market you because every song on your album sounds different. Right. But then when we tour, we would hear all the time from people. People would come up to us and they'd say, your CD has stayed in my car CD player for months. I never get sick of it because every song is different. You know, right. it's not like you, you put it in. I, I mean, like, you know, I love Kings of Leon. I think they're great. But you put it on a Kings of Leon record and it's 10 songs of same Kings thing. of Leon sound, yeah. sounding like Kings of Leon. It's right, all the right. same. You know, they hit one note and it's great. Um, it's like ACDC. Everyone but jokes it's... about ACDC being the same song over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. I get you, and that's great. You know what I mean? It's and it worked and obviously. People accuse Dave of Dave Matthews of that too, and Tool, and I hear it. You know, it's I guess you know they do what they do, but you know I was I always want to just like make a song that I don't care about. Like when I'm writing a song, I'm not thinking about any other songs that we have. I'm thinking right. about that particular song, and um, so like I said, sometimes it worked to our detriment, you know, when we were trying to Being different usually does. From... Yeah. But... Uh, I gotta ask you, did, have you ever seen a movie with, do uh, you know who Teddy Geiger is? Yeah, I went to high school with Teddy. No, are you shitting me? So what was his movie with yeah. uh, the guy from, uh, uh, the guy from The Office? The What was the movie Yeah, The him? Rocker, I think it was called. Yes. Dude, yeah. how much of that movie when he, when he was like, uh, when he's driving down the road and, and Fish says, hey, you just need to take the drive test. How much of your music was was just I want to drive down the road and just just jam out like and just just kind of lose you know not obviously forget that you're driving but like like I just I do when I'm driving when I'm driving down the road that's when I want to listen to Startisan like it's yeah. I don't know why it's it's my it's it's what I want to do is, is that kind of what you do like you do a drive test and just kind of like figure out like yeah this is the song I want to sing and, and this is how I want to put it and there you go you know or, or how does that work I mean I guess it was a, a weird way to ask that question no I. You know, it's an interesting point, and we used to hear that from people a lot too. That they're they're like, oh, it's it's great driving music. I never I never thought about that but okay. when we were when we were working on it. I was always about you know trying to uh, evoke a certain kind of emotion or um, convey a certain kind of you know message or something. Right, right. Um, Actually, have meaning instead of just yeah. talking you know talking about whatever. Yeah, I guess I never I didn't consider too much how people were going to. Um, Actually consume listen. this music once <laughs> once it happened but uh, you know the goal was I mean and we thought about like we wanted obviously wanted people to like it but it was always it was always about serving the song you know right. sort of like this is what I'm going for how do we make this how do we make it happen in the studio and then you know once the song is out there you never know how what people gonna are going right. you know, how it's going to affect people what they're going to do with it well and you hear people all the time like you, like what if like 10 years from now all of a sudden starters and it's just popped like, like what? I mean, what would you do at that point? I mean, just call the Avengers back together and be like, "Hey guys, I mean, I guess," or or is it just like, just let it ride because it's like you know, like you like you said, you don't want to force anything and you don't really want to, you know, you want to make music for you and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I gotta I gotta ask this. So you make you know uh, a decade array and then you go into CS Levide, which is another like 
it's not like any other song you got on there. You're doing a lot of whoop, whoop, whoop. like you're just you're really mm-hmm. hitting high notes and you're and you're fluctuating your voice. Um, is is there a point where you kind of understand like maybe you're not gonna be on top forty hits? But I mean, are you just at that point looking for a career and still putting out music? Or I mean, you know. Yeah, so uh, so C'est La Vie was actually supposed to be on Volume Two. Okay. That was a, so the 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 whole idea with with Decade Array Volume One and Two, we wanted two records with ten songs each, and so that the 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 concept was we made Decade Array Volume One. We said, okay, we're gonna there was a few streamlined songs that that John and I were attached to, and we're like we're not ready to kind of let these ones go, um, and we weren't totally happy with how they turned out like you mentioned all i need you know that was one i was like i think we we didn't capture it right yep uh and there's people there's people that like the streamlined version better and you know that's cool i mean um but uh you know at the time i was like i you know that one and higher uh i really wanted to get them right you know i felt like we kind of missed the mark a little bit and um you know only because we had time constraints and we had you know other limitations that you know, it wasn't anything to do with the, the players or anything like that. It was right. just, you know, where we were at the time, we weren't able to capture it as well as I, I would have wanted to. I gotcha. Um, so those two in particular, I really wanted to revisit. And then obviously Hurricane um, was a pretty popular one with, with us when we moved to the South. It was the one that, you know, everyone, that, that was the one that people wanted to hear live. That, you know, that was sort of our, our big one. There you go. Um, so that was one we felt like we had to, we had to hold on to. And uh, I don't remember why we chose Thick and Thin. I don't know why we decided to re-record that one. Um, it's an awesome song, though. Yeah, it's. A, it, I always forget about that one. Um, it it is cool. I do like it. It's just one of the. I, you know, I always forget about it for some reason. I don't know why. And I don't know why we chose to to redo that one and put it on volume one. But the idea was that so we're gonna, so we said okay, let's do a two part. Um, you know, we didn't want to do a double album. We wanted to be two separate volumes. So we said, okay, so the first volume will be sort of, you know, at that point, John and I, and, and all of us, because the other guys that had joined Starters and had all been playing music in other bands for years and years. Okay. And I was like, okay, so this isn't our first rodeo. All five of us have been in other bands. We've been, you know, at this for a while. Um, so why don't we put out a record that not only reflects, but sort of embraces where we've all come from. And so we had a song on volume one called The Beginning, Mm-hmm. And that was a song that was in our, our Derek was our guitar player and on that first record and he was in another band that was actually a song that he'd written for his band before start is in um, so we had these tunes that were kind of um, you know recycling but also sort of sort of like paying homage to where we've been so that was the concept with volume one we're like okay we'll take the last 10 years and sort of be like here's where we've been you know we're paying paying a little bit of respect to where we've all come from yep. and volume two is going to be like here's where we're going Okay. You know, here's here's the direction that we're coming together, and you know, because we'd only been together, we we had started working on volume one before we'd had all like like just we started recording before we even had. That's actually a different drummer than ended up on the rest of the album. Okay. And and it's not even uh, the starters and bassist Tank. Well, John from we call him Tank is his nickname. Yeah. Uh, the bassist from from Streamline plays bass on Just. Um, okay. So that was actually that was the first song that was finished for. That was actually a song that we were playing in Streamline. We just never got around to recording it. Right on. And we'd we'd started working on it when Streamline broke up, and so that was the first song that Stardazin had recorded, 
but it was with a different drummer and with the bassist from Streamline. And so, I mean, it's sort of a, yeah, yeah. that was sort of like, that song was sort of the bridge between Streamline and Stardizen. There you go. Um, but so that the, you know, the band had only been together for five minutes, essentially, when we were working on this album. So it was sort of like, well, we don't really have an identity of our own yet. You know, so right. it so, made sense from where we were at. I mean, we did, you know, we came together and so like Thick and th- or, um, Quit or Run, Dreams of Youth, those were new songs. And then Derek wrote Bombs Away okay. um, for that record. So those were new songs that we had that sort of were like, okay, here's some, here's a possibility of what we could grow into you know that was our first kind of like us testing the waters and being like this this is an idea of sort of where we're headed but the idea was sort of come, come back to it you know after a year or two when we'd had you know all that time playing together to sort of be like here's volume two was supposed to be like here's here's us yeah know? yeah yeah we figured it out here's the you know volume or yeah. volume one was let's figure it out in the first and then mm-hmm. i got you okay um, yeah, not, I'm I'm getting distracted. Is that a Dave Matthews behind you? Is that what I'm seeing? I've been think, I've been guessing it the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Is that, that, that is, um, so under the table and dreaming? That was their their first major release, and that so that album, I got that album in '94 when okay. it came out, and uh, that was the first record I heard that I was like, not nah, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to play music. So I got a guitar the the year later for my birthday okay. because of that because of that record hell yeah and i just love it i love the i love that's one of my favorite album covers of all time i love the you know the color scheme i love the blues and the purples i love that it's you know the the yo-yo right you know on there the one below um, it is that the is that the artwork for crash that's crash yeah yep, so these okay. are that's the that's these are the vinyls i just put them so those are both um the actual records i just put them in in cases i gotcha and then this is uh this is they, they sent out, I guess they screwed something up <laughs> when they were printing the, pressing the records. Okay. So they sent out a, an extra one. So I was like, well, I'll just put this one up too. There you go. And I actually have, up here, I actually have before these crowded streets also. Holy fuck, right on, man. I, yeah. uh, I got into Dave Matthews because of a local guy here uh, on Sports Morning Radio, and he's a huge Dave Matthews fan. He even has ants marching on his, uh, on his leg. Um, yeah. You know, he's a huge sauce and, you know, and a lot of my music I get is, is from that show and they're a sports morning show, but they, they get into yacht rock, they get into 80s hair, they'll get into, you know, Rage Against the Machine, they get a, a, such an yeah. array of things and, and I've tried tweeting them your songs because it's like, dude, they would love this, like they're big Quiet Drive fans and it's like, oh, you yeah. know, if you're into Quiet Drive, you're going to be into this, like, you know, yeah. and not to, you know, again, you guys are your own music, but you guys, um, did you... Let me ask this, and I'll let you go here. I, I, you know, I feel like I'm taking up your night. Um, oh no, you're good, man. I'm. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried. You got a fiance, right? Does she? Does how many? How many uh, interviews do you do nowadays, or is this now kind of like the old days? Like, uh, no, is, this is a rare occurrence these days. I'm, you know, I haven't. I don't do much music. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm working on a, a new album right now. Actually. Okay. And um, that's uh, so that, that's your a, own work. A solo record coming out. There you go. Right on. And yeah. is uh is is uh. John, is John going to be on it? John is going to be on it. John's going to mix it for me and master it. Um, I, I didn't mention this. We actually we did all of our own recording with Streamline and well, actually Streamline we did some in the studio, but for Stardizen we we did all our own recording. We did we had a studio at our house here in Baton Rouge. Hell yeah! And uh, so we did everything. Like I said, because he was an audio production major, so uh, so we you know he produced all our stuff and we did everything on our own. Um, 
which is actually bringing me back to, so you mentioned C'est La Vie, and so Decade Array Volume 2 was supposed to have 10 songs. It was supposed to be like sort of a bookend yep. with Volume 1. They were each supposed to have um, 10 songs on it. And yeah, what I meant to mention too with, like I was saying with Volume 1, you know, where we're going, Volume 2, where we, or, or where we, sorry, Volume 1, where we've been, Volume 2, where we're going. The whole concept of Decade Array was sort of to be like, we've all been doing this for give or take 10 years, you know, playing music individually, you know, so this is sort of like what we have to show for it. You know, this is the last ten years, sort of, you know, on display, basically. Yeah, accumulation. Yeah. That's that's the con- that's the idea of the name. Um, but volume two was supposed to have ten songs, and we we set out to record ten songs. So it was the the six that made it, plus uh, "C'est la Vie," and "Lullaby" was a contender to be on there. "You Can't Leave Me Now" was a contender to be on there. We had a song called Under the Flood that had been floating around since John and I's high school band. Okay. And then there was this song called Nobody's Gonna Love Me Now that we recorded, uh, and a song called Misery that was also... So those ones were all contenders. So it was going to be 10, uh, and those were all contenders to be on there. So we started tracking Flood, Misery, Nobody's Gonna Love Me Now, uh, and Say Lovey. Okay. And those four got cut. Oh, record. We just ran out. Of, we ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we got about halfway. I'd say about halfway with the with those four, and then John, you know, he was just like, "Look," because we'd we'd set the release date. You know, we'd booked the show, and we had, you know, it was coming out on right. whatever. It was someday in August, I think, was when Volume Two came out. So we had the show. We had we were releasing the album, and he's like, "I can half-ass ten of them, and it'll sound like shit." Or he's like, "I can, you know." make six of them sound awesome there and we go. scrap four okay okay and, uh, so it, was, it sucked man it was like uh, it was a tough pill to swallow at the time i was like man i mean there was no choice obviously it was right you want the, the best six. quality yeah you want the best quality yeah. out of what you can get for sure right there was we were never gonna say yeah let's do 10 and have them sound like shit but <laughs> you know it was, it was there was you know it wasn't even a a decision at that point oh hold on i lost you oh okay right on sound a okay better. sorry i don't know what I just lost the feed for a second. Oh, I got you. Right um, on. Yeah, so, you know, we chose those six because they were the, the nearest to being completed. He thought, he was like, I got I can finish these six and have them sound good. And I love what he did. I mean, the album sounds awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'm really proud of it. Uh, but, yeah, so then, obviously, we were like, well, we got to put these other songs out. So we finished up C'est La Vie and put that one out next. And then we did uh, You Can't Leave Me Now and Lullaby for our reunion show. We were like, let's finish those up and... and have them, you know, put them out in conjunction with our reunion as kind of a, you know, Thank get people you. excited about it. Yeah, right on. That's awesome. So. Let me finish up with this. Um, and I hate I hate to ask this, but I'm I'm getting into being able to ask controversial questions, and I hope it's not controversial. Yeah. Are you happy with with where you are? Like, how many fans do you see hit you up like I did, where it's like, dude, what the fuck did you just do to me? Like, this my girlfriend's getting <laughs> pissed that I I keep listening. Like, like are you happy? How many people? How many people hit you up and just say, "Dude, what the? F- how the fuck did you make this?" Um, well, we still get we still get messages. Um, I'm terrible with social media. I never use like I, I mean I have a Facebook, but I only have it because when I was in the band, I would use it. Yeah. You know, I did some uh, some Facebook Live um, shows for you know while we were quarantined and stuff. Okay. But you know, I never look at it. Other than that, um, I mean, yeah. the band has an Instagram page. You know, I never really go on it. Yeah. Um, I don't do Twitter. So I don't, you know, 
I don't really pay attention, but I know that, um, you know, once in a while I'll check and we do still get things and I try to reply to people, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I get you know, you. when I see it. Um, but we, you know, we do still get a decent amount of things because the funny thing is that in the last two or three years, you know, we've been entirely inactive. Essentially, we haven't done anything. We haven't played any shows or put any music out. But because of things like Never Back Down, and we, we had songs in uh, a couple other movies that are up on, on Netflix and stuff. So people are still hearing about us. Plus, Spotify is only getting you know more and more popular. Right. So the, the music's still out there. People are still discovering it. Um, I, I feel like even more so now than when we were active, which is ironic, uh, as these like platforms are getting more and more you right. know, uh, attention. So it's, you know, we do still get people contacting us. Um, but, uh, you know, I've just been out of this world for, it feels like a lifetime now. You know, right, I'm not, right. uh, I but I'm getting back into it. Like I said, I'm doing the, the solo record and I'm, I'm actually really excited about it. And a lot of the songs are songs that I started working on back when starters in in streamline even were were around there you um, go oh i didn't mention too so when we did that reunion show um it was with streamline and starters in it was all the original members from both bands and that was the first time that those bands had ever played together um and so remember what i was saying when we did when we were out in la and we had that showcase or that we were uh went in the studio to lay down all I need, and we did one other song that I was working on, but we never finished it. Yeah. So we for the reunion show, we we're like, we should finish that song. We hadn't even thought about since you know since we were since Streamline, yeah, the, yeah, since we were in the studio that first time. So we actually dusted that one off and you know took it out of mothballs and finished that one. Hell yeah! Um, but we didn't get it mixed in time to release for the show, but it is done, um, which is really cool. It was the, you know that was a that was a cool moment to go back to a song that we hadn't you know, looked at or, or thought of in like 13 years and to actually put out, you know, finish a new streamlined song was especially one that we'd started working on, you know, at the, at early the very, days. very beginning. Yeah. It was cool. It was a, it was a cool thing to do. What a way to so wrap Sunday, up. Maybe we'll put that out too. There you go, dude. Let me know, please. I mean, I'll be the, I'll be the yeah. first one to fucking listen. Um, yeah. Well, dude, let me tell you, thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate yeah, the man. fucking music you put out, man. I mean, hey, thank you, you, dude. you give a guy who fucking hates trying to, you know, I, I, I hate, I, I hate that I don't really share my music with my friends because they don't like this kind of shit. And, and I don't yeah. mean to say shit at all. I'm just very, I have a poor no, vocabulary. No. That's why I really get into your music. Fucking You're nothing good. like mine. But uh, no, it is, dude. Uh, impossible to offend me, so don't worry about it, brother. Right on. I, I didn't even ask, man. So you're, you're going to medical school. What are you gonna? Are you gonna be a doctor? Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. Better. Well, so I I just finished my undergraduate. I just graduated this year, uh, so I've got my bachelor's in science, and so I take the MCAT in, I guess January is when I'm gonna take the MCAT, and then yeah, medical school after that. So Holy I've got fuck, I've got man. several years more ahead of me, but uh. That's awesome. I, mean, I love music, man. I love playing music, but it, I just, you know, we got to a point where I was just sort of like, I, f- I felt like with the band and, and where we were at, I was like, I feel like I've I've ridden this train as long as I can. You know, yeah. like I'm super proud of, of everything we accomplished. I don't regret a second of it. I love it. You know, like it was amazing. Yeah. But I sort of had this, I had to like look in the mirror and be like, I'm going to wake up pretty soon. I'm going to be, you know, 60 years old. Yeah. You know, do I still want to be doing exactly what I'm doing right now? Or do I want to, you know, it's one of those, like, I came to this fork in the road where I'm like, I'm young enough where I can 
make a different change right now. If I start now, I can do something different and have a whole different life. Right. You know, do I want to go down this this road that I've been on for the last 15, 20 years, you right, know, right. at that point? I mean, I started playing in bars when I was 13, so I've been go. doing music for a minute. You know, that was, yeah. that was sort of like all I'd, all I'd wanted to do since I was 13 years old. Right. Um, you what? know, I was sort of like, do I go down this road and just, you know, do this till I die? Right, right. Or do you, or or do you take a chance to do I say, you know something? what, I had an awesome run doing this. We played some killer shows. I mean, we, you know. What was your favorite we were, show? We, we played Bayfest in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Okay. Uh, we played before Jane's Addiction, and there was like twelve thousand something people out in front of us for that show. It was awesome. That was that was a blast, dude. I mean, they had like the jumbotrons, and they had people signing, like you know, as oh, I'm singing, yeah, yeah. they had a, a lady signing <laughs> the lyrics, and that's awesome. It was wild, man. It was you know, that was that, that was one of the funner shows we've ever done. But and even like the smaller shows we did were great. But but that was truly awesome. It was and it was outdoors, and it was like a beautiful night. Um, right perfect weather to be playing outside 12,000 people in front of you and it right. was like that's the kind of music you want to listen to too like it's not it's not like gonna make you sad but it's like it'll get you in your feels like oh fuck mm-hmm. man I'm gonna uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get my daughter into it and she's not having it like she's still into Beyonce Girls Run the World and like I'm trying to introduce yeah. her like get off it please like we you need to have some like action <laughs> you know like some good music at least a little bit but hey it's all good man Beyonce's good too everything's all good you know I know, I know. I just I try to get her into music with a guitar because at least I feel like with a guitar you can you can at least appreciate a lot of a lot of the artwork. Not somebody who went in and had you know twenty seven voices in in like eight letters, mm-hmm. and that's about the entire lyrics of this of the song. Hey, I'll get off it. All right, um, <laughs> dude. I appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you for what you do. Thank you for coming on my show. I like I said, very Absolutely, much appreciate. It. Now, let me th- let me thank you for letting me use your music. That's for one that. Oh, makes yeah. my makes my show actually look like I have something going on, so I appreciate it, man. People are like, who, who, "What do you mean you have music now?" Like, I mean, like I can't get sued. Like, thank you, or at least cross my fingers. You're good, brother. Yeah, man. <laughs> awesome, man. It's I appreciate yours. it. Use it. Get it out there. I'm yeah. trying. Every every ever since you gave me the okay, I made even made like a little short snippet. Was like, "Fuck it, I have to." Like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, but, dude. Yeah, use it all, brother. I gotcha. Um, and then. If you're interested, man, when I get this album done and finished up, we can chat again about that when I put it out. If you Dude, want, hands down, let me know. I'll make it happen. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm starting my own painting company, but I'm gonna be somehow the podcasting painter. And okay. really, I just want to be able to set my own schedule for podcasts and say, "Fuck it." If I have a podcast that day, I'm not going to work. So, let me know, man. And I'll, good, make, I'll make it fucking happen. That's awesome. All right, cool. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm shooting for like. September put this thing out okay so uh but yeah dude I'd love to know your uh I'd love to get your reaction about it we can you know we can talk about each of the tracks and do sort of a, like a little uh you know you can give me your your little review of it if you want dude I'm <laughs> game like it, that it, it, talk about it it's gonna involve a lot of swearing but yeah I'm game <laughs> bro I'm down <laughs> perfect all right cool yeah, man. I, even if you wanted to I mean you know we covered a bunch of ground, but if you wanted to talk more about you know individual tunes or something in the future, yeah, man, I'd be down, brother. Dude, you have no you yeah, have no idea how much I appreciate that. That's fucking awesome, and I'm I'm gonna abuse that. So just know. Yeah, feel free, dude. Awesome, I mean man. it. So I, w- I wouldn't offered it if I didn't mean it. Ha- ha- so, dude, that's for sure. Fuck, man, I'm gonna be smiling the rest of the night. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate Good, it. Hey, I had a quick question for you. Yeah. So, Bobby Boucher, are you like a big Waterboy fan, or is that just like? <laughs> <clears throat> uh just the name, man. I don't know. I I. Uh, 
it, I was in football a lot. I, you know, high school football it happens to be Boucher. Um, I was in okay. a lot of friends. Just I had a lot of nicknames: uh, Bobbert, Robert, Bobby, Rob, Bob. You know, and then Boucher became it. It it stuck. And then as I'm trying to figure out podcast names, I was on a podcast called The Upper Poor, and it was just about mm-hmm. really really sports and my fucked up stories through life. And then uh, and uh, trying to at least laugh about being just not poor but like you know right on the echelon of i could still get like help but like you know i'm never going to but like yeah. just kind of a weird throw whatever show and then uh 50 shades of boucher was like well i'll be a painter and i was a painter at the time and said fuck it you know so um yeah. and it just rolls off the tongue you know i i, I don't know there's nothing like it and when you type in 50 shades of i'm hoping somebody accidentally pushes b and goes what the fuck is this and you know maybe i was a big 50 shades That's- of gray fan so fuck it i, I figured it works yeah. That was, uh, it's funny you say that, man. That's actually how Stardism came about because right when Streamline was breaking up, we would have had to change the name anyway because some dude already had the rights to the name Streamline. Okay. And we didn't discover this until iTunes came around. You know, we put our stuff up on iTunes and then there's this other Streamline record. Well, there's a couple other bands. There was one that was like sort of a heavy metal band. And then there was this dude... I don't know, he was like a 50-something-year-old guy that just made like, like, um, like you know when you go in like a nature store and they've got like, like, like ambient music? It was, was oh, kind of yeah, like, yeah. you know, earth earth songs and like, there's like, you know, like wind chimes and rainmakers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this, this dude's making like bird songs and, uh, but he owned the rights, you, know, you know, it's a first comes, first serve deal. So this dude had the rights to the name Streamline because he'd been around longer. Oh, wow. You know, which was... So we would have had to change it anyway. So that was sort of all. It was like this perfect storm of, you know, the bassist getting that other that other gig with that other band, and we had to change the name anyway. And you know, it was all these things coming together that it was sort of like this. Uh, you know, the change was was go- destined to happen. Dude, that's but, uh, that's funny that you brought it up because I accidentally found that Streamline band, and I was going through it, going, "Oh, cool, this must be another album." And I'm listening to it, and I liked <laughs> yeah. it. And I had to go back, and I did my. Re- I, I was like, "Hold on, this doesn't sound right, though. Like this, this doesn't match." And so I looked back, and then I had to get it out of my head which songs were were right. And I was like, "I'm not even gonna ask him about it because I don't want to fuck up and ask him about some other streamlined." No, man. It's... Oh fuck! I was <laughs> so like, nervous. The dude was pissed. He was pissed off when he contacted us because you know he was getting it too. See, we'd get it, be like, "What? Who's the hell is this? Like, what are these like nature songs that like?" Right, right. You know, yeah. and I guess people were like, you'd you know, sending him too. shit too because they were. <laughs> They were like breaking his balls about it, so he was pissed. He was like, "You guys need to stop using my name. I want to keep making my nature songs." <laughs> but uh, but like when I came up with Stardust, I was like, "Well, I don't want to have to deal with this ever again. I'm just gonna make up a word. So when someone Google's it, this is all that comes up." Yeah. And for a while it was, and then <laughs> some market in there's like some like outdoor like fresh food market or something in London, I think, and they call themselves Stardust Market. Um, Weird. So is Stardust so even a they, word? They come up too. What's that? Was Stardust even a word? No, I made it up. Oh it's, wow! Uh, so if you go on our website, I talk about um, where I where it came from. You can check okay. it out. It's on our it's on our website. You can go see. I typed up a thing about it. Gotcha. But um, no, it's just a made a word I made up. Um, Crazy. You know, and, and then they, they yeah. And then this random market in London came up with the same thing a couple years later, but. Gotcha. Was there ever uh, one one last thing? I'm I'm sorry. Now I gotta ask. Was there ever a yeah, weird yeah. spot that you got like uh like you got like big in like like was like Switzerland ever like huge Stardust fans or? Yeah. So 
I think it actually was Switzerland. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> I got some note. I got some notification that, um, what song was it? It might have been Just actually. It was getting played on some radio somewhere, and we were the number one artist in this country. That's <laughs> I, fucking. I don't awesome. know where. I want to say it was Switzerland or something like that. Or yeah, from like, the story, I want to call it. So yeah, it was Switzerland for sure. Something I don't know where it was like Sweden something, you know. But we got this email and I was like, what? Like, I was like, yeah, Just is like the number one song right now. Hell yeah, wherever. Right on, but, man. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, it was a pleasure getting to know you. Next time I interview, I'll actually break down as a person and not Chris Farley all over Stardazin. I'm, you know, I'll, no, I'll try to be a little more professional about it. But, uh, dude, great to meet you. I hope, like I said, I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying we can do this again. I'll definitely hit you up. Awesome, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me, and I appreciate it. Right on. Have a good night, man. Cool. You too. Stay safe, dude. Yeah, for sure.